0: Postmodern Art Podcast, the podcast dedicated to giving artists who are winding the world over the platform they deserve. I'm your host, Nathan Raglan, and as we kick off the newest spooky month that is 2023, I invite you all to kick back, relax, bring up your frozen TV dinner, and turn on the TV to enjoy one hell of a podcast. I know it's slightly confusing unless you're watching the video version. Today's guest is Justin Hart best known for his podcast, Telehell, a podcast covering the worst, dumbest, and most sin-worthy moments throughout TV history. Telehell was a podcast that the instant I started listening to it, I was hooked, line and sinker, it quickly became one of, if not my absolute favorite podcasts, and especially with the creativity that Justin puts into it, and the personality that he brings to it, I knew it was only a matter of time before I had to get him on the podcast. And again, what better way, sir? fact we're talking about Telehell than in October, kicking off spooky. Mo- you get the point. If you enjoy Justin, please make sure that you support him with all the links down in the description below. Especially, and I cannot emphasize this enough: going and listening to Telehell when you get a moment. Seriously, like, you guys are missing out if you haven't listened to it yet. If you enjoy this podcast, make sure you like, share, subscribe, or follow whatever audio streaming platform you prefer. Leave five stars wherever you can. You know I see that stuff, and you know how much it means to me. If you want to go a little further with that support, maybe you should consider checking out our merch shop at fourthwall.com. Link to that will be in the description below. You can browse a wide range of some fantastic outfits done by some amazing artists and former guests of the podcast and personally i think you would look fantastic in it hey maybe for halloween you could dress up as a fan of the postmodern art podcast it's the new style and look if all you're looking for is a calm cool casual place where you can interact with artists whether they've been on this podcast before or ones that share a similar mind of love and passion maybe you should consider joining our discord server the artist sanctuary We've already developed an eclectic group of artists in there. And I think you'd be a fantastic addition to that group today. But now, without further ado, please enjoy the Postmodern Art Podcast. Do you have any questions or concerns before we get the show on the road?
1: Um... The only uh, real question I have is uh, when exactly were you planning on uh, dropping this episode? Because we're not supposed to come back until November this year just because okay. of stuff that I do in the real world. And I didn't know if timing was an issue or anything like that. But, I mean, I'm I'm willing to drop it in, like, early October if, if that's okay that with is, you.
0: That was honestly exactly when I was going to – I was going to – so I upload uh, Thursday evenings and I was going to have this episode be the first episode of October, October 5th, if that is okay with perfect. Okay. Perfect. Yeah. I, I, if nothing else, like, you know, I get kind of a, a, reminisce of what you've got so far, a little tease not maybe not a full tell all, although I do remember you saying something about what the season premiere of this upcoming season is going to be when that lost footage was found. Um, oh, we,
1: we, we will, we will talk about that.
0: Good. Good. I am I'm excited to hear about that. Um. But yeah, because, no, uh, I like to set up, you know. I very rarely do themed months, but I mean, it, it, with October, right. I have to do kind of like a, a you know horror, spooky Halloween S theme. And I thought tell a hell talking about the worst, like the, the way you set up your podcast or whatnot. Certainly, oh, certainly. I, certainly. You know, I figured it was, a, it was a good fit for that month.
1: Sound and uh, like like I like I often screw up the phrase. Uh, that normally, people say it fits like a glove. For some reason, I say it fits like a book, and. <laughs> It, it's more like a Yogi Berra kind of thing because I am a Yankee fan. Fair Damn way. Yankees! Um, <laughs> I was going really to say,
0: look, I'm all the way in Georgia, so I'm a bray. I'm oh, a
1: I got you. I got Hey, listen, listen. The one thing I've learned about baseball over the years is that you can hate your foes, but you still have to respect your foes. Now, I lived for uh, I lived for three years in Plymouth, Massachusetts. Huge Red Sox Nation, obviously. Try to hide being a Yankee fan in Red Sox Nation, but there are some people out there who will sympathize with you. And I think this was like at the point when uh, I think the 04 series already happened and uh, they wound up clocking us. So we were properly humbled. But anyway, this is all off topic to what you were going to ask me, and I do have a habit of rambling quite a bit.
0: Well, luckily, this is a podcast, and at least a conversation podcast, so rambling is encouraged. So don't feel like yeah. you're going too far off to, off the path, because I'm on that path with you. So you just drag me along. As
1: <laughs> as long as 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 long as the tangents don't tune people out, that's the important thing.
0: Exactly, exactly. All right, Justin. Before we really get going, I must ask the icebreaker question of the podcast, if I may. Let's say you get okay. to go to a dessert island on your own accords. It's just you along with your thoughts. You get to kick back, relax, breathe, get to truly enjoy yourself for a little bit with accommodations. You're not stranded on an island. You're, you, It's right. it's yeah. Accommodations and all stuff like that.
1: So, so a sandals resort, basically,
0: essentially. Yeah. Just without all the other people that realize, oh, yeah, this is a sandals resort. Um, of course.
1: But not the White Lotus. I hear people don't really survive there that long.
0: Not too long, no. I I mean, I figured with the reviews, I mean, people would be more wary of that. Anyways, uh, (laughs) to help make sure you don't go completely insane on this island, you can bring one piece of media or one piece of art with you to help with whatever kind of headspace you want on this island. If given this opportunity, what would that one piece be?
1: Well... Before I answer, uh, you may need to loosely define what you mean by peace, because uh, is it like one individual thing, or is it like something in a collection of things, or something like that? Because there was, there is really only one thing that I would want to bring with me if it were physically possible, or I'd have to somehow lug a Wi-Fi connection there with me, but uh, every episode of SNL. Every
0: I grew up on SNL. SNL.
1: Yeah, listen, I've been a fan of Saturday Night Live since I was nine years old, which would probably explain a lot about me if you hear the show as often as you do. Uh, But I've been sticking with the show from good times and bad times. And even when uh, more media became available and started catching up on the older shows, you know, it's just one of those shows that is, and corny as it may sound, it is America. It is the pulse of society it is practically a mirror into ourselves no matter how cracked it is and also i really enjoy the works of bill hater and dana carvey
0: yes yes i was gonna say look there was a there was a period in my life to where i was also a devoted snl fan it was around i want to say like the late 2000s you know getting into like the well to the 2010s to where obviously like i went back and i admired some of the old stuff as well and obviously like you can't deny just how much of a powerhouse that show is, especially with, you know, all the people that have come and gone through there, both, you know, not ready for primetime players and the guests themselves. So yes.
1: Yes. And even like, you know, one of the great things about being a podcaster, especially with a community that wide and that broad is that, you know, you wind up uh, listening to other people's shows and, you actually start to appreciate other people's opinions about shows and sometimes they may actually change your thought pattern a little bit and like for years and years i always thought that the worst years of the show were the ones that were always talked about as the worst years. Season 6 in 1980, season 11 in 1985, season 20, which ironically I started becoming a fan of at that point. So, I mean, at 10 years old, you know, who's to say what makes sense at that age? But thanks to other podcasts, and especially, I don't know if I can plug other podcasts here, but uh, I I especially love uh, That Week in SNL and... It's a show that not only does like, you know, what happened the week of, but they also have like this sub series where they fervently defend the sixth season of the show. This was the season after Lauren Michaels left and there was all sorts of turmoil and they get someone named Jean Domanian to take over, even though she didn't really have that much comedy producing experience, save for a couple things here and there. But, you know. It had been forever lambasted in in the press. You know, critics hated it. Ratings surprisingly were pretty level. But then again, there were only three channels back then, so what else was there to watch? Right. And you know, the quality of the writing was kind of questionable. And at that time, at the time, you know, my fandom was really kind of starting to come into bloom and all that stuff. Um, I kind of agreed with the initial consensus, but thanks to uh, this. That Week in SNL podcast and their deep dive on all the season six shows and that it may really not have been as bad as they make it out to be, you know, it's always good to get an extra perspective from an extra point of view. And, you know, I'm, I'm just a guy that does a, a podcast about things that are, in my opinion, bad or stupid or dumb TV shows. But that's the thing. It's subjective. It, exactly. I'm, I'm not i'm I'm not the you know the end all be all or anything, and there's thousands of people like me that talk about stuff like this all the time, and you know it's always good to you know try to keep your thoughts your own i I mean I think one of the big taboos though i've I've come to realize about podcasting is that you really shouldn't listen too much to your direct well i I don't even want to say competition because we're all colleagues in this yeah. industry, apparently. But you don't want to have their opinions cloud your own opinions because then it's going to sound like, oh, he's just copying what they're saying and all that stuff. And, you know, there's still a lot about the podcast world that I'm trying to learn. And even though I've, I've... known audio editing for a good portion of my life i mean there's i mean that's the one side of it but then the other side is just doing the research and development Mm -hmm. and just making sure that you don't talk out of your ass which i may or may not be doing right now but that's only because (laughs) i don't have a glass of water in front of me to shut me up
0: (laughs) here it's like i can hand you my my flavored water that i got for you <laughs> but, oh, okay there we go, there you
1: go. Mm, that's clear and refreshing oh,
0: i don't know about clear but <laughs> it is um, refreshing uh i'll
1: run it through a filter just in case
0: that's there you go that sounds like a plan um but even th- I, I i will say i do kind of agree with you when it comes to like that subjection <laughs> kind of thing more than anything else uh, i mean obviously you know You can see a million different opinions. You can see a million different people say, you know, oh, this thing is bad. This thing is bad. This thing is bad. But until you really sit down and enjoy it yourself, like you're not going to truly know what the what your opinion is, because it's not like you're trying. You shouldn't try to have the same opinion as everyone else. You need to have your own opinion because, you know, that's just how life is. I mean, with what you're doing with your podcast, which will definitely delve a lot more to uh, later on, you're showcasing both the good and bad side of trying to find your own opinion of what people could already say is bad. I mean, sometimes you can agree, agree with them and sometimes, OK, people were a little too harsh.
1: Exactly. I mean, I, I will uh, actually uh, use what you just said to segue into uh, I'll try to keep this as short sure as I possibly can. Um, but this is a story of uh, something that happened when I was in high school and. Uh, I was a junior in high school when a little movie called Freddy Got Fingered was unleashed onto the masses of the theaters. Now, personally, I really did not care for Tom Green. Mm -hmm. And with hindsight, I mean, I can kind of see what he was trying to do back then, and I'm sure he's a much different person now. I mean, nobody's really the same person they are 20 years ago, but... uh, The the advertising for this movie was relentless. It was, like, on every single channel that you could think of. It just, like, you know, see the movie, see the movie, see the movie. And, like, one day I was walking down the hall, and uh, I don't know, I don't even remember who brought this up. But it was just uh, this conversation about Tom Green. It's just, like, I'm not going to see Freddie Godfinger. Neither am I. And it's, like... One thing led to another, and all of a sudden I found myself in the middle of it, and it turned out to be an impromptu wager that I found myself in. And uh, basically this uh, one guy that I, again, I don't even remember the guy's name, but or I may just be suppressing it just for the sake of his anonymity, um, he dared me to see the movie in a theater and also bring back a ticket stub to prove that I had seen the movie in a theater. And I think the reason why he wanted like visual proof that I saw the movie was because this was like expected not to do any business at all whatsoever. So, so you know, I didn't want to go to this thing alone. So, uh, being uh, the wise sixteen-year-old that I was, I convinced my father to take me to this movie, which was uh, an R-rated movie, I, I believe, and uh, he, myself, and. Maybe two other people were in the theater on the day that we saw it. We sat through it. We sat through it. To this day, I mean, I mean, he's never going to listen to this. I, I never told him that a bet was involved. But, you know, I just had to hang on to my ticket stub for dear life because I realized this was going to be the only way I was going to get my money back without actually going to the front counter to get my money back. But my father and I sat through the movie the movie ended, and he says, "Kid, don't ever make me do this again."
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> but the next day at school, I showed the kid the ticket stub, and his jaw dropped because he didn't think I could actually do it. And that was the easiest and the hardest ten dollars I've ever had to make.
0: Uh, you know what? You're, you're you're a man of your word at the end of the day, right? <laughs>
1: Sometimes to a fault, because I see what goes on in the world, and sometimes I think I'm too nice just to make up for all the crap that happens.
0: Well, I mean, seeing what you're doing in your afterlife, I guess at this point, I can see why you're trying to make up some lost time. But regardless, back to the original question and what led to this incredible tangent regardless, every single episode of Saturday Night Live, that is your answer. You're locking that in.
1: I am locking that in, and that is my final answer.
0: Then with that, you get to win an opportunity come on the Postmodern Art Podcast. Welcome, everyone. I am your host, Nathan Ragland. Uh, feel free to like, share, subscribe, or follow whatever audio sharing platform you prefer. Uh, you can get some of the incredible merch, which I am not wearing right now, but some of the incredible merch at fourthwall.com. Link to that will be in the description below. And follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Blue Sky at Postmod Art Pod for future updates and guest announcements, including today's guest. <clears throat> he is the host of Telehell, a podcast covering the worst, dumbest, and most sin worthy moments throughout TV history in a devilishly splendid way. Welcome to the podcast, Justin Hart.
1: Hello, my name is Justin. I am happy to be here today. <laughs> I didn't know how much excitement I had to do, because I, I think like the first ever interview I did with a podcast, I may have just over dialed the excitement a little too much. So now I have to kind of measure like my excitement just a little bit, just so I don't overdo it. But in all seriousness, uh, great to be here and great to be breathing fresh air again.
0: I know, right? It's, it's, it must be nice to get the of the, the, the brim and, you know, brimstone and fires to, to be able to, to breathe, breathe some healthy air again. <laughs>
1: Well, uh, unfortunately, uh, the uh, summer home for hell is uh, somewhere in war-torn Fallujah, but, you know, you kind of have to do with the budget that you're dealt with at the time. Yeah,
0: yeah, you know valid. But regardless, I'm glad you're able to, to make your trek out of hell for a little bit so that we can, so I can tell you just how much I truly do love and appreciate the podcast you're putting forward. Um, honestly, it has easily become one of my favorite podcasts that every single time there's a new episode, I have to listen to it. Um, but before we divulge into the stuff you're creating nowadays, I want to go back just a little bit and understand more or less the origin story of Justin or at least you know the art aspect of it. What got you interested in art and television in the first place?
1: I've always been a fan of television. I, I don't want to say I was a latchkey kid or anything, but you know TV, especially as a baby of the 80s and a youth of the 90s, That I felt was like, you know, peak television, even though at the time I think the most I was ever excited with was uh, the Disney Afternoon or Tiny Toons or Animaniacs or stuff like that. But as you get a little older, you know, you appreciate the things for older people and, you know, that'd be your Seinfeld, your friends, your must-see TV lineup and anything that you might have missed out on airing in syndication. So, of course, the classics, your Lucy, your Andy Griffith, your Dick Van Dyke, etc., etc., etc. And, uh, you know, that's kind of been the case for most of my life, but that's just being a fan of TV in general. When the internet came, when the internet came around, uh, I, I want to say we got our uh, first computer in 1998, and I'm just kind of discovering, you know, still as a teenager, what all this stuff is about with the parental locks, and uh, you know, just uh, you know, seeing what's what. And I come across this website, which I believe is still around to this day. It's called TVParty.com. Okay. And and what this is, I mean. It, Nowadays it's pretty much the equivalent of just a gigantic blogosphere of TV articles. But back in the day it seemed revolutionary to me because there was like video content. Granted the pixel size was maybe like two or three of them, but you know you're seeing all this stuff about history of television like finding out how these shows came to be and you're digesting this kind of stuff. And one of the sections of this website that really got my attention was this section on failures, flops and failures.
0: Okay.
1: And... There was one in particular that I actually heard about a few years earlier on an ABC news magazine, which no longer exists. I don't know if you remember a show called Day One, but this was where it came from. And their first ever episode, they were talking about infamous flops. And the reason why I remember all this stuff is because one of the shows that they were talking about and one of the shows that TV Party was talking about was the show that turned out to be our first subject for Telehell, the Jackie Gleason game show, You're in the Picture. That's right. I've always loved... I've always loved Jackie Gleason. I've always loved The Honeymooners, but also, you know, the stuff that he did outside of that. You know, Smokey and the Bandit, The Hustler, and all those things. But, you know, for a show to last just one episode and then just be so universally reviled that it gets pulled off, and then something else has to be slapped together at the last second just to make sure that something... Is going to be on the air next week. You know, that, that that really fascinated me, and for it to come from a guy like Jackie Gleason, that it was even more fast. Even at at that age, I thought, how is this possible? How is it possible for people to just okay something? And how bad could it possibly be? Yeah. So, you know, that, this was again when I was fifteen. Fast forward to, I want to say about 2016, 2017 or so. And I'm in this, uh, I I, I don't know how deep you get into this kind of stuff, but uh, tape trading. And back in the day, I think it's still very much a big deal, although it's now more for digital content these days if you can uh i think the pirate bay is still a thing but anyway um through uh tape and dvd trading i uh got myself uh, connected with a fellow uh game show fan and you know game shows i probably love almost as much as snl but not enough to bring to an island
0: um (laughs) no i was gonna say that's that's valid uh it's funny you talk about tape trading because honestly the other person that i have talked with. Tape trading about on this podcast is a game show historian. If you know him by chance, Christian Carrion, uh, who runs Buzzer Blog. know the name, yep.
1: I do know the name, and I do know Buzzer Blog. I don't know him personally, but he definitely does know what he's talking about, and uh, you know. <laughs> One one day I will get on a game show and tell my story on his podcast, yes. but I think the game show people are scared of me. But that's another story. Um, so the person that I met through uh, game show trading circles, a uh, very dear departed person that I uh, actually got to know – a little bit. His name was uh, David Downs, and he he had the, uh, the Fun and Games channel on YouTube for many years, but because of inactivity since his passing, that has since gone away, unfortunately. But it was through David that I was actually able to trade whatever scraps that I had for a copy of You're in the Picture, so that I could finally see for myself just what the big deal was about, what all the fuss was about, and not only was it the, uh, the the first show that aired, the actual gameplay, but also the second show that aired, which was Jackie Gleason's 30-minute apology to America for how—I can swear on this show, right?
0: Oh, go—fucking go for it.
1: <laughs> how fucking shitty the show was, and it just—it kind of sparked a little something in me that— Things like this need a deep dive. Historically bad things, and also subjectively bad things, needed a deep dive. And so I was working at uh, my current place of business, and I'm actually going to restrain myself from saying the name of the place that I work for right now because they could be listening. Um, but uh, my uh, my boss's boss at the time was uh, was looking for like ideas to you know just improve things in general in the company and so forth. And uh, this company, which involves audio production, you know, I I start putting together an initiative like, you know, podcasts are starting to become a big deal now. Maybe we should try to, like, convince people to bring podcasts over to our service. So I start putting together this uh, in-house guide of shows that I would recommend and like once a month, I'd send it to my boss, he'd send it to his boss, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And they have accepted some ideas, but tangentially, I mean, all I really am is the messenger there. But from that assignment, uh, that, again, that boss boss says, you know, you should have your own podcast, something like this, but, you know, something that ignites your passion, so to speak. So. Okay. That was 2018, and about a couple months later, I just really started thinking to myself, what should I talk about? What do I want to talk about, and how do I make it interesting? Well, the thing that I wanted to talk about, of course, was television, and I definitely wanted to talk about flops and failures, but there were a number of shows out there that were already doing this. And all credit to them, because you know they, they came before, long before I did. But that was when I realized I needed to have an extra gimmick to try to set myself apart from all the other shows. Absolutely. So I just started thinking, what would be something that would stand out? What would be the you know what would be the sticking point? And as luck would have it. Another favorite show, which I think may be third place on the Desert Island list, is Futurama.
0: Yes.
1: And, and I, you know, not just because I'm a redhead and sometimes I think of myself as the real life Philip J. Fry, although I am looking for a Leela in my life. Uh, the episode that happened to be on as uh, I was just flipping through the channels one night was the one where they go to robot hell. Right. With with a robot devil and, uh, you know, Bender sinned and now he's stuck in robot hell. And, then that damn song, that damn Robot Hell song, started. And just I, I just remembered how catchy it was because I hadn't seen it in a long time, and then I started just thinking to myself, "Wait a minute, that's the gimmick." Yep. I'm stuck. I'm stuck in hell, reviewing the worst TV shows of all time, and it just. I mean, it, it wasn't like a, an instant light bulb moment, but I kind of had to like. Rattle it around in my head. I, it probably wasn't until I started like coming up with titles for the show that I just realized that I may have something here. So I just what what could I do that involves television and hell and all the other elements that come go with it and all that stuff and I I don't know if it was just too simple or too cheesy or just you know. Running out of time and all that stuff. I I, mean, I I didn't have a deadline or anything, but I just had to come up with something before the idea faded away. I guess, and all of a sudden, television in hell and boom, telehell. That's the long and the short of it. Now all I had to do was just come up with ways uh, to uh, you know f- formulate the show and that I'm sure is another part of the story altogether, but I, I, I got to breathe. because <laughs> my God. This is the most talking I've done in a while.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to be fair, again, I was just along for the ride because it's incredible. Not only just getting kind of the origin story of you, but the origin of how, you know, tele came to be like just in the first place. Cause that was definitely a question I was going to ask later, but I mean, it's cool that it was just kind of an amalgamation of different, you know, concepts and different ideas. just kind of meshing at like the right moment at the right time. But I want to, ask real quickly just more or less the root of it the base of it television at least for you what is it about television that just captivates you that just like I almost like inspires you to like really let your creativity flow
1: well I mean you pr- pretty much just said it right there in the question it's about escapism really because uh you know it's uh I, I don't want to talk too much about like my personal personal self, but let's just say I was a quiet kid growing up. I was a shy kid growing up. I had a fair share of friends, but I never really uh, brought anybody over to uh, my house for a number of different reasons. And, you know, television as again, as corny as it may sound, was always a comforting factor, no matter if the show made sense or not. I mean, game shows were kind of my first adult thing after cartoons you know i mean i I, who doesn't love the prices right who doesn't love family feud who doesn't love wheel of fortune even though it's become formulaic as hell by this point even if ryan seacrest may come in to breathe new blood into it next year wink wink nudge nudge um but i mean from there it just like you know (sighs) The, 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 I'm sorry, this is just a little, um, uh, a little awkward to talk about, just... When I was growing up, I mean, I mean, I had my parents and all that stuff, and, you know, they, they took care of me as best as they could, but sometimes there were occasions where it felt like they were kind of focusing on their own things, so... I kind of needed a way to uh, buffer all that and TV was there suffice to say uh, television's pretty much uh, become like a relative in, uh, on in in and on itself for me because no matter how bad the world gets even when you're seeing images of the world coming apart I mean you know I was a high school senior when 9/11 happened that was on TV endlessly yeah, I can imagine <laughs> But the rest of the time, you know, especially thanks to increases in technology and all that stuff, you know, there's just something very comforting about television. I've just really, I don't want to say I'm like a a Kenneth the Page from 30 Rock levels of obsessed with television, but I just find it comforting. Just like, no matter how bad things are, TV is there. No matter how much people disagree with you. TV is there. No matter how much student loan debt you have to pay off, TV is still there. It won't help you pay any of it off unless, of course, you wind up on a game show, but that's another story. Um, but I don't know. Just TV always just felt like this... It, it, it's even going to sound even cornier because sometimes TV advertising is marketed in such a way to make it seem as though TV is the one thing that you can always count on. Like, literally, in... uh, Actually, one of the big reasons why I enjoy TV is uh, jingles. I used to love TV jingles. i collect a bunch of radio jingles and all that stuff. But, like, back in the day, back when people's attention spans could actually be measured with a yardstick, they used to have uh, promotional campaigns for the fall seasons for all the TV networks. And, you know, these were like two, three minute long songs saying, watch us, here's why. And just like, it's like hooks for days with these songs. And like, the one thing that I've noticed, especially with those TV promo campaigns, is that you have these announcers saying, we're the people that will not let you down. We'll always be around. Like, I can't, I I wish I smoked enough cigarettes and drank enough whiskey to pull off an Ernie Anderson voice, but... You know, just like it—it it was that kind of comfort because, again, the world may suck more times than many, but as long as there's TV there, you can forget your troubles for a little while. And if the show is not worth watching, change the channel, look for something else that'll comfort you. But yep. I don't know. Just do—do uh, do I make the uh, psychiatry check out to you or to Blue Cross?
0: Uh. Well, I say personally to me because I will be sure to give you a good discount, don't worry about that. Yeah, you know, I I think you know I, I, I based on the student loans alone student loans alone, I think you could use a quite a bit of a discount. Um <laughs> <laughs> but you yeah, move government <laughs> <laughs> move government but <laughs> oddly enough speaking of the student loans or at the very least speaking about like television i can't imagine like especially with how much of an escapism and how much of a comfort was for you like i imagine you probably wanted to immerse yourself in that world as much as you can i mean you kind of hinted at it, but you've also tried to be on game shows and such and i imagine your career probably led to that path like how much of a force was tv on your life not just with you know comfort and such, but also, like, your career?
1: Well, it definitely uh, helped shape my sense of humor, which I felt was kind of an important thing to have when embarking on a career in radio. Now, now I started having a career in radio, or at least thinking of a career in radio, the same reason why television gravitated towards me. It was the jingles. It was... Yeah. I was listening... Uh, For for the record, I live in the New York area, and uh, back in the day when they had a stronger signal, one of the stations that I actually used to listen to as a teenager, believe it or not, was the oldies station. It was uh, WCBS FM, which still exists, thankfully. And they had like, you know, I, I didn't really care so much for the DJ part yet, but it was the music that I liked. And then all of a sudden I started hearing these little bits in between the songs, and These were jingles, and these were some of the most melodically perfect bite sizes that you can possibly hear, and, you know, I I guess I just started listening to it more and more and more, and all of a sudden I hear uh, a a jingle for one of the DJs on, there was just, Dan Ingram plays your favorite oldies, and that was when I thought to myself, wait, people actually say your name? in song form and you get paid to play music (laughs) and that was when I started thinking about a degree in communications and I don't know just it was just serendipitous really just random listening to the radio and just thought to myself man this is something I really would like to do so, I go to college, or I go to a junior college first for an associate's degree, and I do get my degree in communications, but while I'm getting my degree, I still have to get some radio experience. So, right. the uh, first radio station that I set foot in was a place that still exists. It's a WTBQ Radio in Warwick, New York. It's a little AM daytimer station, so okay. like 500 watts, but it's a community station, and it's a lot of broker time stuff. But... I got to learn how to, uh, you know, just essentially how a radio station works in general. Really messy place, but again, this was just like somebody, you know, bought the station a few years ago, and or not a few years, like this was 2004, and you know, it just it was just very much a fly by night outfit, but a very dedicated community of fly by nighters, and they all showed me how things worked, how. Adobe Audition, work back when it was called Cool Edit Pro. How uh, to put things on a cart, how to take music from vinyl, put that onto a cart. And again, you know, this was—I mean, this was like back in the day when you still had cartridges to do radio. But I really wanted to be an on-air person, and I kept on seeing all these uh, different people, you know, in the in the booths, you know, doing all that stuff, and just like, how do you get to this point? And it was at that point that the uh, owner of the station says, sometimes the easiest thing to do is to just start recording commercials. You sound like you have a pretty good voice, so here's a commercial. And just like just like that, they take a chance on a 18-year-old kid doing a commercial for a place that hitches trailers to your trucks. No music. You had to edit out your breaths. And it was... 60 seconds that i could not believe sounded like me because you know i always kind of pictured radio people as like you know gary owens on rowan and martins laughing with a hand on one ear and going this and you have to like really use your voice but but you know thankfully it was a rookie mistake because the next commercial i did the same guy the owner of the station said just Try to sound like yourself, sound conversational. sound like you're talking to me right now. Sound like it's just you and one other person. Don't go over the top. So I do the next commercial in uh, in my normal voice, which I guess more or less is pretty much this, but a lot more higher pitched uh, so, so you know it's it's all about practice and all that stuff. and all of a sudden, I had a portfolio but i didn't have uh experience in playing music so at least with what i knew in the back of my head and this was like a year long volunteer position with no pay i decided to uh do what they say uh faking it and i just started putting together you know some of my favorite songs i tried to use my best radio voice without you know my throat breaking out in hives and you know sounding like A deformed jukebox or anything like that but you know i I just try to stay as calm as i possibly can and do like basically an unscoped hour but you know i have have to like tighten it up and make it like three minutes i think even nowadays you have to have like a one minute thing just to prove to everybody so this was back in the day when cds were still good Mm -hmm. and i just started mailing my demo to every radio station i could possibly think of and no hits, no nothing. Fast forward now to Thanksgiving of, uh, 2005 and an old friend of mine from high school came into town. And, uh, back when, uh, MySpace was, uh, such a prevalent thing. Um, you know, she'd been uh, following me and my, uh, you know, career and all that stuff, what little of it there was. And she says, you know, I know somebody who works at the uh, local radio station up in, uh, up in the mountains. Uh, Maybe if you gave your check to him, he'd give it to his boss, and we'll take it from there. So that began uh, the uh, most eventful pub crawl of my life, (laughs) and I don't drink. So you can imagine how uh, keyed up I was. Like, Well, anyway, uh, I meet this guy. I happen to have the CD in hand. This was before flash drive, so discretion was really not a thing back then. So I'm just saying to say, saying to this guy in a loud bar, this is my air check. Listen to it. I think you'll like it. And I didn't have a resume either. So anyway, uh, one thing led to another. And then uh, about, a, about two weeks later, I hear from the program director of, uh, what was then, uh, d- and still is WSUL. And I would actually like to give her a shout out because, uh, sh- this is the person that actually uh, changed my life forever. Okay. And, uh, and her name is, uh, well, her, her radio name is Annika Sonic. To this day, I don't know what her actual name is, but she's the one that really taught me what it's like to be in radio, not just to be on the air, but to do production, to keep it from uh, eking out into the red, as they say, to, uh, you know, just pretty much be in control of everything, which it kind of had to do because at this station, And another station that was just acquired by them. Many people wore many hats, and Uh, here I was now. And here I was now, twenty years old, not knowing what the fuck to do, (laughs) and I'm expected to do radio stuff, or or, or I was expected to do a five hour show and do stuff in between commercial breaks. And it just like at twenty years old, I know it makes a lot more sense. You know, back then, because you know everybody had to be a jack of all trades, and I think they still do now in terrestrial world, anyway. Uh, but that was baptism by fire, quite almost. I mean, not not literal fire, given what I am doing. Ha ha ha! <laughs> but um, it was one hell of an experience, and I used that experience to uh, three years later go to Boston, do production and weekend work there. Then uh, the recession hit, so I moved back to New York, got my bachelor's degree at SUNY New Paltz, um, and thanks to that bachelor's degree, I have now uh, secured a job doing commercials for a quote-unquote major broadcasting company and okay. have been doing so now for the past nine years. You know, the end.
0: That is incredible. Major respect to that more than anything else. Just that journey as a whole, just, just to get to this point. Um, I, I just want to say whenever you were talking about, um, what was it, David Ingram or whoever the person was. Oh, like, Dan Ingram, Dan, Dan Ingram. Dan, Dan, yeah. Dan Ingram, like, when, when you talk about his jingle, it just reminds me. I'm pretty sure it was a, it's a more syndicated radio show, but it just reminds me of the classic Delilah. like her. You radio know, show. it's it's
1: it's sort of similar to that. I mean, Dan Ingram, I should probably mention for your listeners out there, one of the, if not the greatest radio DJ of all time. And uh, if... If you have ever get the chance, uh, go to musicradio77.com. That's a tribute to the original WABC radio before they turned into a talk station. Currently, they were the biggest music station in the world, like literally around the world because it was an AM station, 50,000 watts, the signals would skip all over the place. But Dan Ingram had such a knack for timing and the right one-liner and the right ad-lib and just... Making everything flow smoothly, I mean i'm I'm talking about him right now, and I'm just putting water in a coke can That's how good this guy was. but listen to a couple of his air checks. You'll hear how good he was and take it from me, he is the reason why millions and million well I don't know how big the industry ever got, but like a lot of people wound up becoming radio DJs. Because of Dan Ingram, he passed away a few years ago. He was 83, but still, his voice is always going to be a defining influence for me.
0: Oh, absolutely. I can only imagine. I mean, like you said, he is part of the reason why you're in the industry in one aspect or another. So, I mean, I can only imagine the impact he has had. And, I mean, obviously, just based on that journey alone, the fact that it has led you up to this point to where you're in it working on commercials, but also using the skills that you've gathered along the way to produce your own quality program with TeleHell. Now, I, I've already danced around it a little bit. I mean, you already kind of already addressed the, the backstory behind it. But I'm genuinely curious, like, when it comes to more or less the concept itself, how did you eventually develop it to where it had that distinct style that you have presenting TeleHell?
1: Well, I didn't have the uh, the style of it immediately. Like, at first, I just thought it was going to be, like, you know, a niche kind of thing where, you know, I just talk about the show and the history of it and it, or the show that I cover that week and the history and the backstory and all that stuff. And the, uh, the nine circles of hell as a rating system, that was always going to be in there because, you know, it's hell. Mm-hmm. You got to have like the representation of hell, and that is Dante's Divine Comedy and the Nine Circles and all that stuff. And, you know, if you listen again to the uh, first episode, we explain exactly what it's all about. And we've kind of adjusted it a little bit here and there. It's a little more looser than the initial interpretation of it. Uh, But I don't think we really started sounding like ourselves until maybe. The third season that's when we really started adding uh the fire and the reverb and all that stuff, but also the uh the story element and uh for those who don't know, I play a guy who gets sent to hell for stealing cable now that story has yet to be like fully fully told, but I mean that's what I tell everybody that I do an interview with, and i I've kind of set up the mythos for myself there but Basically, I'm 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 because I stole cable, the punishment has to fit the crime in an ironic way. And I should also probably credit Mystery Science Theater 3000 for this cuz it kind of feels similar to them but without the robots and all that stuff. But basically to just go through the worst that TV had to offer at that time, or continues to have at that time. I mean, TV's been around for 75 years now. Yep. That's the diamond anniversary, I believe. So, you know, wait, 60 is diamond, 75 I think is ruby, I don't know. But TV has been around for 75 years, and there's a lot to talk about, so I just started talking about it. But Again, like, the overall sound of the show, we were still kind of trying to find ourselves in the first season, which was only six episodes. The second season was 13 shows. And I guess we... And and I say we a lot because, you know, it's just, I'm doing everything. So I might as well be we, as in we are not amused. British we, I guess you can say. <laughs> but, you know, that's how it is sometimes. Um, but, you know, it's like... The reverb came first, just because I knew I was going to be underground in hell, or wherever hell is. You know, it's a whole metaphysical plane, but, you know. If you're wondering how he eats and breathes and other... It's that kind of thing. Uh, (laughs) Repeat to yourself, it's just a show, you should really just relax... Um, so, I mean, incrementally we started to forge our identity and eventually by season three, you know, that's when we just started really going full on with the reverb and the fire and all the hell related stuff. And we do have our, uh, platoon of, uh, voice actors, some of which are people that I, uh, actually work with at my, uh, anonymous job okay. and, uh, they're all cool to jump into it and they just really love, uh, doing all that stuff and... I know there's a question there. Just uh, one more time for me.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, like... Well, it's actually going to lead to actually another question because like the way that you've kind of more or less like developed the, the style and like the presentation of Telehell so far has been absolutely outstanding. And if I may also note, like the editing that you have for your podcast is one of my favorite parts of the podcast. You have it down to a T to where like, it truly is an immersive audio experience, no matter what you're putting us through. I mean, I, I truly appreciate that. Like how, how tough what is the process like for you in order to nail down an episode of Telehell? hell um, like from all the way from like concept and potential like episode idea to finished product that you're pushing out to the masses of the internet?
1: Well, uh, there's never really a shortage of episode ideas. Cause like I said, TV has been around for 75 years. There's a lot of flops to choose from and right. coming up with a schedule for each season is uh, kind of a puzzle piece. But you know, once you get into the groove, of it all you know it just becomes just a list of things i want to talk about next and next and next and, next. and the themes st- stuff that we did last season was just kind of uh thing that i wanted to try just to get out of the way because i know there's certain things in certain categories yada 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 um as far as going from script to screen as they say even though it's an audio show um you know i uh, i try to keep the scripts as uh as short as I possibly can, and given the evolution of things so far, it would not surprise me if I wound up writing an entire book and turned that into an episode someday. That's how out of control it's starting to become. <laughs> but I try to keep it like 10 pages or so, and I include, and again, it being an audio show, I kind of feel silly saying this, but stage direction because I have to know like where I'm putting certain clips in and whenever I'm writing something out I'm I'm writing my thoughts as if it was a regular normal blog and as I'm doing this I'm I'm writing my thoughts as I'm watching a show and it's usually off of YouTube or something from my personal collection or something else and one of the things that you got to keep an eye out on is the time codes as you're watching the video so, you know, I'm I'm putting in the comments here and I'm watching clip by clip by clip and I'm answering however long that scene was. I don't use the entire scene though, because I know that a person's listening to it, their time is valuable too. So I try to keep it within like maybe 10-15 seconds or so, maybe a little longer if certain things need explanation. So it's essentially just uh, again a, a a piecing of a puzzle that you're putting together yourself. You're writing your thoughts, you're putting in the time codes. Sometimes I have to throw in, like, uh, a in a, a, a non-sequitur clip that does have a connection in there somewhere. Like, you know, uh, in the Rescue from Gilligan's Island episode, which I believe was episode number 54, uh, there were, like, a lot of moments that padded out the program, the Gilligan's Island TV movie. And they ultimately did not contribute anything at all to the overall story. So that was when I realized, you know what would fit in as a runner for these things. Slappy Squirrel from Animaniac saying that was pointless. Yep. And that became a runner thing. And so it's like things like that that I also have to look out for. Like if I see something in the show that I'm watching that elicits a certain kind of reaction, that's usually you know, the wild take, uh, non-sequitur, non-reaction that I try to look for, but it's not intentional and it's not 100% mandatory. But it does, you know, help sweeten things up a little bit. And then ultimately when I get to the end with the nine circles, you know, I have to keep saying what the circles are to myself just to make sure that they one of them will fit somewhere and I kind of have to have at least one fitting because if I don't, then there's no point in covering the show. Exactly. And, you know, I just keep saying to myself, limbo, lust, gluttony, greed, wrath, heresy, violence, fraud, treachery. I could say it faster, but we don't have that kind of time. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, so I just keep saying it to myself and thinking, okay, where does this fit in in the grand scheme of things? Where does this go? And all that stuff. And, eventually it all adds up. And, uh, that's really the hard part of things. And that's also why I need the summer off so that I can start doing things because uh, the fall is usually my busiest time of the year at my major broadcasting job. Um, you know, cause we're getting ready for Halloween and Christmas and football and all that stuff. And that kind of, you know, pushes certain other priorities to the side for a second. So, I mean, as of press time, I've already written three scripts for season six. So, there you go. So, so, so we're going to be fine there. But but again, that's why I need the extra time just to write the scripts, because it's writing the scripts for this that's the hardest part, because I want to make sure that what I say not only makes sense, but I also want to sort of uh, like be my own censor, so to speak, and make sure that the things that I say – may not go too far but at the same time maybe they don't go far enough I, like i'm not in it to shock people right. basically but i just want to be sure that what i say doesn't sound stupid
0: right exactly you you don't want people to like see or hear or uh, hear like something you said about like a certain thing and then basically just pull the 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 crusty what the hell is that <laughs> Yeah.
1: Well, I mean, I, I, I have been tempted to use that particular clip when I see something that doesn't make any sense in the show that I'm watching. Exactly. But not in my own critique or anything, because that'd be a little too meta, I think. But uh, So that's the script part. Uh, then I just voice what I say, and that usually takes about 45 minutes to an hour or so if I don't screw up or flub up or do anything like that. And I, I, I have like a touch of dyslexia, so sometimes the words that I type do appear a little out of order for some reason. That's when I have to put on my glasses for all that stuff. But otherwise, uh, that's the easy part, is just the recording myself. Then I still have to wrangle all the clips that I need, and uh, I use uh, Pro Tools for all my editing needs. Okay, best, best program for an audio editor out there. I'm sure there are plenty of others out there. I'm actually recording uh, our conversation on Audacity as we speak right now, but I, I record... I record the uh, the monologues basically, as uh, I'll, I'll put it, on Audacity, and then I clean it up through Pro Tools. But it's also through Pro Tools that I also uh, now this is the big secret. Ooh! All the stuff that I all the stuff that I watch is ninety percent usually on YouTube. Mm-hmm. The rest of the time, it's through like private collection stuff that I have that I can just easily, you know, uh, run through a video program and just strip the audio out. But it is uh, through YouTube. Long time ago, there used to be uh, something, uh, incidentally, the very thing that I first saw on that TV party page was a thing called Real Player. And Real Player, uh, back in its day, was simply that it was just used to play 30 second clips with the potency of a potato, as they say. But they've since evolved to a point where they now have this thing called a Real Downloader, where you can download videos off of YouTube. And you can pull the audio from that video. So I then use the audio from that video, put it in Pro Tools, cut, 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 get the clips that I need, compile them all together, and then comes the actual editing of the episode, which by the time everything is said and done, almost looks like you're looking at a chromosomal blueprint. Like You want to know about DNA evidence? I mean, that's that's pretty much what a pro tool session is going to wind up looking like for a forty-five to sixty-minute show. But that's like the final piece of the puzzle in just getting it all together. Then you got to listen to it. Then you got to do the quality control stuff. You got to make sure nothing's in there that shouldn't be there. And then, boom, bada bing! I upload it to Libsyn and wait for it to drop. And also wait for any hate mail to come in. If any.
0: If any, yeah. I mean, I will say, like, especially with the, the plethora of different topics that you've covered on the Telehell, I would be surprised if there is hate unless someone is like the the one secret devote fan of this, like, uh, of the, the shows that you're covering and they don't truly listen to what you're talking about. Be like, how dare you put this horrible thing or this wonderful thing, hate it like everyone else is. Like, I don't think any of that is out there, but I can only imagine like, especially with the, the Goldmine that is terrible TV out there, uh, with you know, within the parameters that you set up for yourself, like it's gotta be fun, it, it's gotta be both fun but also a chore sometimes. I have to go through some of these terrible TV shows just to figure out like what you're going to be using.
1: Oh, yeah, I mean, like we we kind of have uh, we I, I gotta stop saying we so much, it's just me.
0: Uh, <laughs> we you'd uh, be um, like French, we. Uh, <laughs>
1: Yeah. Yes. Yes, yes. Without the oops. Um, We have this uh, cardinal rule. We're not just going to hate things just because it's bad. Mm -hmm. Like, that's, that's an easy thing to do. Because if that were the case, I would be reviewing reality TV shows until I have to sign up for AARP, yep. which may not be that long from now, but, uh, <laughs> so sides <laughs> the point. Um, no, I, I, I tried to stay away from shows that are just like, meh, like, yeah, there was things not to like about it, but at the same time, it's not like historically not good. Like the Jackie Gleason game show, that was historically bad. Mm-hmm. Super train. That was historically bad. Um, you know, other, like, you know, TV movie pilots are kind of hard to do because, you know, they they didn't make it to series. So at least you're eligible for one circle there for Limbo. Yep. But then you also have to judge it as its own thing and not, you know, for like other things. I mean, there may be a good backstory behind it. But in those cases, like especially with TV movies, I always judge it for the content, not for anything else. But when it's a series that has a much more substantial impact, you know, you kind of wonder, you know, people put their time and effort into making something that they think is going to last for years and years and years, but then there's always going to be that one missing piece. We try to figure out what the missing piece is, and, you know, we. I guess you could say it's death with dignity, I guess, because these shows did die horrendously in the ratings, but you know, maybe they did not deserve such a fate and maybe there was more to tell about that show. And there have been... We have uh, these uh, other rules of things that we will not review and uh, quick spoiler alert, we are going to be changing one of them this year thanks to our... uh, Thanks to uh, the uh, listener survey that we put out earlier this summer. We'll talk about that later. But I will tell you that one of the rules that we are not going to be changing is that of the guilty pleasure rule. That's when... There's a show that's bad that everybody else in the world says is bad, but I personally happen to like. And there are plenty of shows out there, which have made it, by the way, on various lists of worst TV shows of all time, that they say, oh, review this, review this, review this. And it's just like, I have editorial control. Yep. I mean, I'm not going to be a snobber saying, I don't care what you think. Like, I do care what people think. But- If I genuinely like something, whether other people like it or not, it would seem pretty, I don't want to say hypocritical, but it would just seem awkward if I were to do something of that. But if it's a show that I hate and other people like, that's the opposite. That's the exception to the rule because at the end of the day, it is still my show. It is still a subjective opinion. It is still my opinion, but it's an opinion that needs to be told. Now, there have been some, uh, sometimes, and you did bring this up a little bit. You know, people yeah. saying, "Oh, how dare you say this stuff," but not for the reasons you think. And I think this uh, segues neatly into uh, episode fifty-three. And I will, I will say this one last time about this is about a TV pilot that uh, Anthony Perkins of Psycho fame did, and it was called The Ghost Rider. Now. I've mentioned time and again, I I never really specifically mentioned what the overall complaints were. All I know is that I got information wrong. Now, getting complaints about getting information wrong, that is a major thing. And that is something that needed to be addressed. and, And I felt it was important to address this. And... Quite honestly, when all that went down and I started hearing complaints from people, some people who actually, uh, and not even counting uh, Alan Spencer, who you know, I did have a conversation with about this, but hearing from people who actually worked like behind the scenes as below-the-line crew people on the show saying, this was a good show, how, how dare you sully it with your inaccuracies? And yes, when you're inaccurate about something... You got to own up to that mistake, but if you just flat out hate something that other people like, that's a different thing altogether. Yeah. So, so you know, in in the Facebook conversation I had with Mr. Spencer, you know, I just said, "Look, we're a small show. We, you know, tried to cover this as best as we possibly could with you know uh, TV pilots. It's kind of hard to find information and all that stuff. We just uh, we're willing to change the information." that we got wrong but Spencer said to me that he does not really approve of self-censorship so we kind of agreed on an apology which is why that will remain permanently there on the front of that episode for time in memoriam because I really don't know what else to do with it it's been 2 years since this happened now right. and I'm still and I'm still haunted by it even though and and I love the fans that we have, by the way. And you know, every once in a while, I I, I keep getting notes from some of the fans saying, "We love your show, but you're too hard on yourself." And th- that's just how I am. Sometimes I'm 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 from the Conan O'Brien school of self-deprecation. There you go. And not just because and not just because I have red hair, and and also uh, got some Irish in me. But um, you know, it's just like. I always want to do right by everybody. I always want to do the right thing, and if sometimes that means, you know, just you know, I guess rushing through things, I guess is the overall uh, culprit here, and not doing enough time and research and all that stuff. And you know, you have to own up to that mistake, and I did, and I did it again and again and again and again, and I will probably—it's probably going to wind up being etched on my urn. Here lies Justin Hart. Sorry, Alan Spencer. Um, But, as always, I digress. The thing there is, like, we try to be as accurate as we possibly can, but there is only so much information that can be found. One of the big things that I realized was that I got part of Mr. Spencer's career incorrect, because I thought... You know, his career didn't start until a certain point, but I didn't know that he wrote for Gary Marshall sitcoms. I didn't know that he did other TV shows, and I didn't know Life Beyond an IMDb listing. And thankfully, Mr. Spencer lent me, well, not let me, he uh, linked me to uh, this uh, article from Splitsider that details, and I do mean details, everything that he did in his career. And I have that as a reference just in case I come across one of his projects ever again and I just need that as a reference guide. Thankfully, nothing bad really ever happened from that, but I've always used that as like a turning point for the show because from that point forward, everything that I try to do in an episode, I try to make... As accurate as I possibly can, and if I'm not sure of the accuracy, I just don't include it. But again, you got you, you, I mean, the, the thing about I almost feel stupid saying this, but the thing about Wikipedia is, is that at least they have vetting for all the entries, because there's like a whole thing at the bottom of each entry that lists all the links to all the sources to all that stuff. So that's how you know they're telling you the truth. Mm-hmm. And which I think can be said for just about any form of media these days. There are sources. You cite them. Period.
0: Absolutely. I mean, and and that's why I believe colleges should allow Wikipedia articles, because at least they have the links in there. Just saying. But that's a whole different discussion.
1: Well, 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 don't copy and paste the Wikipedia well, article. Yeah. Just go down to the links.
0: Exactly. I mean, that's just
1: high school stuff.
0: Exactly. But I mean, regardless, like, you know. Especially, you know, considering that as a turning point for the podcast, I mean, that's completely understandable, really being thorough. And that's one of the things I appreciate about the podcast, how thorough you can be with some of this stuff, whether it be just like the information, the background, because I'm I'm an info dump kind of person. You know, I appreciate when I get a lot of information about something I knew nothing about most of the shows that I've seen. On your podcast, I knew nothing about them, or if I knew about them, I saw like maybe the trailer for them, like the 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 Mockingbird Lane episode. Like I had only seen the trailers for them. Yep. But I actually never watched that pilot, and then listening to it, I'm like, oh, okay, that makes that makes perfect sense. Okay, yeah, yeah, um, <laughs> like you know, one the one of the first episodes that I listened of your podcast was the Caveman episode when they made the Geico Caveman a sitcom. I, I um. only remember I only remember that like because I remember watching one of the episodes, not the pilot episode. But I remember watching one of the episodes. I don't know why that is suppressed in the back of my brain, but it is there. So see, like seeing that, uh, listening to your episode, it kind of you know gave me kind of reminisce and made me you know realize just how weird of a show it was and how weird of a concept. And I did not realize Nick Kroll was in that show until you told me so there's that i mean
1: that's that's okay i didn't even realize it either until i saw him listed there but i mean he he does have kind of a a unmistakable face even without the caveman makeup so just but as the old expression goes sometimes you got to eat your vegetables before you get your dessert and this was one of those shows for Nick Kroll. um as long as you bring up cavemen, I mean, we try to also cover shows that have seen certain levels of controversy, yep. but we don't want to make it too much of a red flag kind of thing because, you know, there are going to be some instances where, like, say, there's a performer in the show and he or she wound up getting in trouble for certain reasons, which is also why we've never covered anything related to Bill Cosby, because obvious reasons. Yeah, yeah. At the same time, though, there may also be a statute of limitations if and when he ever passes away, when it may be okay to talk about him again. I don't know. But we'll just leave that as an open-door thing for now. But, like, controversy in general, recently in uh, in our previous season, and this was just due to bad timing, like, you know, we tr- we try to write this stuff as, uh, as far in advance as we possibly can, and... Uh, as it happens, uh, this uh, this was when we did the uh, episode about Hype, the sketch comedy show Hype on the WB. And, uh, you know, th- th- again, this is a show that does have its fans. I personally did not like it. However, just by sheer coincidence and sheer happenstance, and also for the fact that this show took place in the year 2000, and, you know, 22 years is a lot of marination time... One of the people that they were poking fun of was the late actress Anne Heche. And this was before... I was writing the script before her passing happened. And, you know, once it did happen, it kind of reaches that point, like, should we make fun of this person who just recently passed away even though this was a completely different incident from a lifetime ago. And it's that question of should we kick a person while they're down? And I mean six feet under down. And, you know, that's why we kind of had to write, rewrite, or I got to stop saying we. That's why I had to rewrite that sequence so that it looked like I was reviewing the scene that the show Hype was doing and making fun of her. Mm And just kind of retching as to, no, not going to do it, not going to do it, skip it, skip it, skip it, skip it. And it's things like that that are easy to gloss over, I guess you could say. But, you know, then there's going to be some times when it's unavoidable. And that's why we also have a rule about, uh, you know, we're not going to cover TV shows where a person died during production or gets killed or anybody that gets killed on live TV because we're not an exploitation show. We're not in the true crime business. We're not in, you know, anything that would be like, you know, if it bleeds, it leads. We're not that kind of show. So we do have our standards. We do have our rules. And we do try to toe the line of good taste, even though we're pretty much bashing the shows that we're doing, but in an objective way, of course.
0: Right, right. I mean, you know. There there are some situations where, like, you handled it well. I mean, and there are some situations when, you know, the Ghost Rider situation where stuff like that happens. But it's a learning experience with, you know, this podcast stuff. I'm just I mean
1: I'm, I'm, I've been at this for 5 years now and there's still a lot about podcasting I got to know.
0: I've been doing this for 3 years now and I'm still learning a lot when it comes to this podcast stuff, okay?
1: I didn't even know there were such things as video podcasts. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> Which reminds me, I should book an appointment with a dermatologist and a plastic surgeon.
0: Uh yeah, I think the plastic surgeon can probably, you know, double his, but hold on a second. Let me see if I can find that hat somewhere. Especially
1: um, microdermabrasion. <laughs>
0: Gesundheit um yeah. <laughs> no but i was gonna say you know when you were talking about the situation with hype it just kind of reminded me that like at least with that one that the passing happened before the show came out meanwhile you have the inverse situation of covering you don't know jack just a few months before paul rubens pa- uh, sadly passed away but i was at least surprised to see that jack Bock actually acknowledged the existence of the show so if nothing else it validates you um <laughs> <laughs> well, well,
1: with that, that's kind of like you know, who knows what tomorrow will bring. Like, I True. could do a review of a, I, I could do a review of a show starring, well, just pick pick any star. I could just any star at random. I could do a review about a show involving that person, and that person could wind up kicking in about two, three months or so, and I don't even know it. And that that's just dumb luck. That's yeah. just it's bad luck too, but bad timing and all that, but it's already out in the ether, and it's already happened, and, you know, just like uh, Mr. Spencer said, try not to censor yourself, and it's just one of those things that can happen sometimes. Now, if it was more like a memorial kind of thing, that'd be a little different, because, you know, if it's a performer that I happen to enjoy very much, then, okay, I mean, I, I can think of a number of times when uh, people started reviewing the movie Labyrinth when David Bowie passed away, and it was all done out of respect and all that stuff. They still said what they had to say about the movie in general, but they, you know, it, it was still out of respect. But we're not going to be like, uh, I, I like the one trend that I really, really despised back when it was like back when there was such a thing as record stores was when uh, certain places would hold a. Uh, Unofficially, what's known as post mortem sales, where everybody's album in that in that person's catalog was suddenly twenty percent off. Like, I'm not going to be that kind of guy
0: you're n- ever. You're not going to jump on the pulse immediately if something like that was no, gonna, no, like, no, 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 the no, no, just because that person passed away.
1: Exactly. I mean. You know, it's it's also funny because uh, er, earlier this season uh, we did an episode called uh, or, or not called it. We did an episode about uh, the show Rachel Gunn RN with Christine Ebersole and Kevin Conroy, nice. AKA yeah. Batman, the Batman to me anyway. Oh, yeah, was me as well. a, was the main character, and because I think he passed away that November, it was already uh, like February, and we had this uh, locked in for a little while, but we haven't written the script at that point. But I felt that a guy like him deserved some kind of dignified mention, even though the show that he was on at that point was a pretty crappy show. Just so many things that are like anti-Batman and yet somehow still fit in at the same time. So things like that, that's okay to me anyway. But we're not, again, we're not an exploitative show. We just talk about bad TV and, you know, sometimes the world just keeps turning around. So... Again, who knows what tomorrow will bring.
0: Exactly, exactly. No, I'm, I'm wondering, like you said, you've been at this for about five years at this point, or, you know, the podcasting side of the five years. The podcast itself, correct me if I'm wrong, it's been around since at least 2019, if I did my research correctly.
1: Uh, Yes, uh, we started with uh, season one. That was the micro season in uh, 2019. That was the six episodes. And originally, we were also including many shows intertwined with the regular shows, but we've since moved that on to our Patreon. Right. Uh, season two was a thirteen-episode season, and that was just more just to get our bearings straight. And uh, our first full season was our third one. So we're now uh, we've ended five. We're starting on six, but by the time we get to the year twenty twenty-four, it will have officially been five years.
0: Well, there you go. So with with it being four moving on to five years at this point like you've covered a lot of different shows and you've presented a lot of different episodes based on those shows what has been your personal favorite episode to do whether it be the show itself was actually a lot more entertaining than you anticipated to be or like the the way that it was executed was so much fun either in the recording process or listening to the final product
1: well, I kind of have to categorize that, and in, uh, in other words, I have to give you two answers. Uh, Fair enough. First of all, anytime, anytime I have a guest on the show is a good show because, again, I, I I really did not have a budding social life growing up, and just communicating with people is just something that I've been trying to catch up on lost time with, and. You should see me whenever I'm looking for VHS tapes at a yard sale. I can talk a blue streak about all that stuff. But like any uh, show that I have a guest on, and I want to say that the uh, that, well, two of them actually uh, were my favorites. And uh, one was uh, the uh, Wonder Woman 19 TV movie, yep. because uh, I actually personally knew uh, the guys that were uh, guesting with me. They do a wonderful show about the world of Marvel called The Marvelists, and that would be uh, Peter Melnick and Eddie Wilson. And, you know, they happen to be local people relative to where I was, and by coincidence enough, they uh, record their podcast at the very same radio station that... I uh, got my first paid job at in two thousand five, and uh, it was just it was just to uh, you know to especially to use uh, all their equipment and all that stuff. And this was at the height of the pandemic, so just trying to get anybody to do anything at all, let alone on a local basis, was miraculous. But you know, it just came together really, really well. And uh, it also laid sort of the groundwork for what was to come involving shows with other guests. And that brings me to another show that I really enjoyed doing, which was our season four premiere when uh, I covered Viva Laughlin with Diva from Musical Hell, a.k.a. Christy Esterly. Hello. And, uh, you know, just because well, that was actually sort of a, a gray area kind of thing, because I knew of her show and. I knew it had been around for a lot longer than I had been doing my podcasts, and we live in a pretty litigious world, so I just kind of wanted to be sure that there was uh, no uh, weird stuff about that. So, when in Rome, ask somebody who does a show that's already based in hell to do a show with a guy who's currently in hell. So, I just felt the synergy was perfect, and my god, she was so much fun, and I really would love to work with her again on a future show. Uh, I'm here and she's uh, signing off in 24 so um, hopefully uh, hopefully, I get a second chance with her someday but those are my favorite shows among people with guests the show that I think really just cemented Telehell in the momentum that it would eventually find itself in dealt with the uh, Oscars Snow White incident mm-hmm. and Rob Lowe singing and all the crap that wound up happening just like I don't know what the what what it was about that show, but it just felt like, as I was listening to it, first of all, the internet itself is laughable on its own, but then there were just, like, other points where I just thought everything just kind of fit perfectly. Like, uh, there's a point where the fake Snow White is uh, singing a solo part of the number, and she's got, like, a really high Minnie Mouse voice, because when you think Snow White, you think Minnie Mouse, of course. But well, anyway, um, <clears throat> she's, like singing this, like, really slow part of the song, and then all of a sudden, at the end of the sentence, she's, like, doing, l- like, a little squeak, like a ooh kind of thing, and I'm thinking to myself, where have I heard that sound before? And then, thank God I watched a lot of TV because I remembered a show called Community and a scene where uh, Allison Brie, as Annie, does uh, the Disney face, and she's going ooh, and then... All of a sudden, Joel McHale's going, now she's going to make the Disney face. Do not look into her eyes. I thought that was a perfect juxtaposition of the whole thing because it was an illegal use of a Disney character, and she may have literally been using the Disney face, so it just felt so perfect. It's just like crap like that all the time happening is something that I wish I could do for every single episode, but that episode, I think, kind of just gave the right momentum, and there was no looking back after that.
0: Oh no, I, especially not at that point with some of the ridiculous stuff you've been able to cover over the years. I mean, I talked about some of the shows as well. Some of my personal favorite ones is like, you know, you do the, the, the big game, uh, you know, Super Bowl commercial, like compo- com- A game ball shame. Yes, yeah, exactly. Um, your scrappy do episode where you cover like the, the history of scrappy do or whatnot and like the, like why exactly he got so much hate. That was one of the most interesting deep dives I've heard across Any platform, not just like, you know, a podcast platform, but like a
1: YouTube. Quite honestly, and quite honestly, I feel that that was something that was long overdue because there is an obscenely large majority of people that are on the opposition side. They're going to hate Scrappy-Doo no matter what, no matter, even though he was there to pretty much save Scooby-Doo in the 70s and 80s and all that stuff. He was an annoying character, but annoying and bad are not synonymous to me. I mean... Again, it depends on uh, who you. Ask, but I mean, it was just an innocent character. It never deserved any hate, and and the the fact that the movie, the live action movie, pretty much solidified all that and cemented it and entombed it and had it permanently embossed. I'm just like, why? why, 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 why? So I decided to give the worst, the quote unquote worst TV character of all time, according to some. The dignity that he deserves. And that's really sort of the overall goal of the show is that even though these shows flopped, they were still put on with the best of intentions. Yeah. Like, even some shows that I personally loathe have at least one good thing about them. Like, we did an episode about Shasta McNasty. That goddamn near yeah. broke me. <laughs> and. But there are things, there were things about it that I enjoyed. I mean, at the time, I was a big fan of wrestling. I think 99 to 2003, that was like my peak WWE phase. But I love the big show. I love the Dudley boys. I love Triple H and the, well, The Rock. I mean, he's The Rock. But, uh, you know, just the fact that they were the one good thing about a show that should have been fetal research Just, oh, God. That's like an oasis in the midst of a giant desert. And also the final show that they did of Shasta McNasty was actually a pretty solid episode of television that they did. And, you know, just... And I know it kind of feels like a cheat because we only ever really cover the first episodes of a series, but sometimes the first episode is all you need to see how bad things are. But then you look into it a little bit more and you try to find those silver linings and you try to find the things that may have made the show a little bit passable and all that stuff. But we don't want to do that too much because otherwise it'd be teleheaven heaven instead of telehell. hell (laughs) want that.
0: I'm surprised you haven't made that counterpart yet, but I imagine that's probably a lot more research just trying to find the best of TV than it is trying to find the worst of TV. <laughs> that
1: and there's uh, about several thousand podcasts that already fawn over TV shows. Yeah, you know, yeah, sometimes, yeah. sometimes it's just easier to be negative about it, but also negative to a point. Like again, I'm not, I'm not a mean guy. I uh, just, I just call him like I see him sometimes.
0: Mm-hmm. And whenever you're talking about with like scrappy do like given basically the worst, like proven why it's not exactly the worst. Another example that I thought of is actually one that you just did for this past season leading to also an incredible conversation as well. Going over the principal and the pauper while getting a, a conversation with Bill Oakley as well. That has to be one of the that most was- surreal moments for you considering that I know how much of a Simpsons fan you are as well.
1: Uh, yes. Uh- <laughs> we guarantee one Simpsons joke per episode in every box. Um, how that came about? Um, well, a few months earlier, I was uh, putting together an episode about uh, bad SNL sketches, mm-hmm. and I was looking for people who do SNL podcasts to do cameos for them. And I've already mentioned that week in SNL; they were good people: uh, Andrew Dick there, and also uh, Brad Robinson of the Not Ready for Prime Time podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, Darren Patterson of SNL Nerds. And then there was another guy uh, who just hosted a comedy interview show in general, and uh, his name is Ian Firmiglitch. And uh, for whatever reason, uh, after... Like, I, I wanted to get, like, somebody from The Simpsons for the longest time, but I really had no idea how to reach out to anybody, so... Uh, Ian out of the blue says, I've spoken to Bill Oakley before. If you want me to give you his information. And all of a sudden I just froze. <laughs> like, I mean, I was reading an email, but I still froze. So I don't know if he, he was sensing it or anything, but I, I just, uh, I just jumped on the opportunity. And I also realized, uh, that he, I mean, he had written a lot of uh, great comedies, but also he gotten into this whole, uh, food thing with the steamed ham society. Mm-hmm. So just in case uh, I needed to do a little bargaining chip action, so to speak, Uh, where I live, uh, we have this uh, food store at at my local mall, and it's uh, literally a snack store that sells stuff around the world. And I knew that Mr. Oakley uh, does all this stuff involving food reviews. So I just said, dear Mr. Oakley, big fan of your work. etc. etc. et cetera, I'm doing an episode about the Principal and the Pauper episode of The Simpsons. I would love for you to be on the show and tell me what you know about it. And to seal the deal, I'll give you $100 worth of foreign snacks if you say yes. Now, trying to get to him was not easy because at first I was following him on Twitter. And it's not really easy. Or, I'm sorry, X. Fuck I, that I, shit!
0: I, I still call it Twitter. Okay, so you're in, you're in a safe so space I. here.
1: <laughs> so, so do I. Well, anyway, uh, I first try to reach out to him through uh, his uh, his Twitter because he had he had a DM page open. So I figured, well, okay, write the guy and see what happens. And for like about two weeks, nothing. I try to find some other way in. And this was before Ian uh, reached out to me with uh, his email. But then I noticed that uh, Bill Oakley's assistant was also on Twitter, so copy and paste the same thing. Would you like Mr. Oakley to be on the podcast and nothing. And, but thankfully, after uh, I get the contact information from uh, Ian Firmiglitch, the ball started rolling, and uh, just... I it, I know it seems cliche, but you know when you talk to a famous person, you're just talking to a person no matter how high you put anybody on the pedestal. And, you know, Bill Oakley and Josh Weinstein uh, wrote some of my favorite episodes, up to and including the steamed ham bit. And, you know, just to have anybody involved from The Simpsons is like, I can die now. And, you know, just, we recorded everything, and it just felt like a very organic conversation. I learned a lot of things that I did not know about him. Uh, have been released in our uh, full form and uh, you know I I, I just I hope that for next season I can stop the writers and actors strike so I can hire so I can bring on more writers and actors to the show because I think there may be a rule about that but just to have anybody involved in a show that I've covered and also helped get over my crippling shyness, as you can tell from this conversation today. Uh, <laughs> we're uh, we're always uh, looking for something interesting, and if not, I mean, the world of podcasts is a very uh, friendly one, a very uh, you know collaborative one. So it's always good to get guests from other shows to come on, and who knows? Again, what tomorrow will bring. And I've probably said that more than I've said, but I digress today. <laughs>
0: That is that is true. I, normally I, I know you for the but I digress and maybe I should have stole that at some point. Um, no. Uh I, I mean trust me, I, I know that kind of feeling that you had with Bill Oakley. I had a similar situation like that with a previous guest that I've had, <laughs> episode thirteen, Joe Horn. Um the guy is a legendary animator, was a storyboard artist for the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the original Sonic the Hedgehog animated series, did animated bits for Pee-wee's Playhouse. Um, I uh, you know, was a director on the Boondocks and directed one of my favorite animated TV shows, Class of 3000, which was Andre 2000's animated show in the late 2000s. Um, So having that kind of like realization of like, oh, you, you helped kind of shape some of my humor and you're, y- yeah, you're something. You're <laughs> like, no offense to any previous guests and no guests since then or whatnot, but kind of having that realization of someone that, you know, on a big scale has kind of influenced you and probably... Thousands, if not millions, of people. Yeah, it's, it can be a bit intimidating at the very least. Oh yeah, so, so especially like for a person of that caliber, I actually had
1: to like you know do pre-interview questions. Like I actually had to send Oakley a, a list of questions just to see if there was anything that he would answer, wouldn't answer, all that stuff. But he answered them all, and uh, that, that felt actually kind of comforting. Just knowing that you know if they have the time, they'll talk and. He did talk quite a bit, and I, I, I I don't. I mean, it's it's again, like I said, it's already up on uh, the main page. But this felt like something that I wanted to have framed. I didn't. I don't know how you can frame audio, if possible, aside from like maybe picture of a spectrograph. But, but it's definitely going to be something that I will not forget, and definitely something that's going to be a little hard to top.
0: Well, I'll tell you what's not going to top that, and that's all the Brady Bunch stuff. That's one thing I noticed looking through your catalog. Why do you cover so much Brady Bunch stuff sometimes?
1: You know, it's uh, it's a funny thing because, you know, again, as I state in those episodes, I don't hate the Brady Bunch. I, I do not hate it fervently, even though we kind of play it up for laughs that way, but... I don't like it in the same way that other people seem to be, like, super obsessively fanatic about it. It's like a totally different, you know, mindset, I guess. But, you know, it it was a good show for what it was. The spinoffs were unnecessary. Oh, yeah. Most of the spinoffs were unnecessary. The Variety Show, especially. That, I think, might have been, like, the... I mean, we were talking about turning points earlier, but this—I the, the Brady Bunch Variety Hour—might have been like the point where the show started getting a little more uh, special effects-heavy. I guess you could say, just because of uh, you know, just all the torture it put me through, and all that stuff. But aside from that, I mean, the, sh- the shows themselves. I mean, you know, if you like them, and, and this is my same reasoning for any other show that I review. If you like the shows, I'm Not Stopping You, More Power To You, all that stuff. I just see that there's some things wrong with it. The Brady Bunch Variety Hour, though, I mean, clowns in a swimming pool. I mean, that, that, that's like years of therapy. <laughs> and, 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 and the Christmas movie, I think, was too... Saccharin, I guess I mean it was probably one of our lowest not not lowest in terms of people listening but like our lowest nine circle rating I think we only gave it two circles because it's still a Christmas movie it's still a family movie it's still supposed to be all touchy-feely although the touchy part yep, <laughs> I, <couldn't>, yep, yep. <laughs> I, I just like, I know it was supposed to be the 1980s and I know it's supposed to be the kids all grown up but like you know you still have Some moral boundaries, I hope. And uh, also very briefly, we touched on uh, the Brady kids cartoon in uh, top six uh, dumbest animated shows or animated versions of primetime shows. Because, yeah, sure. When you think of the Brady Bunch, you think of a wizard bird and two pandas with possibly international incident-causing speech patterns and all the... Rocking adventures they get into my god it's like i get it it's a cartoon oh yeah it's it's not supposed to be the same as the show but lsd was popular in the 70s that's all i can say
0: (laughs) that's probably the best thing you could say about that
1: and this was a filmation show so maybe some uh maybe some airplane glue too But the Brady's, they will never not be a worthy adversary.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yep, indeed. I mean, obviously, like, you cracked a lot on them, and you've certainly cracked a a, a lot of topics, a lot of different intrigue stuff like that. Aside from what you may potentially have planned, I'm genuinely curious. Is there a show or a subject that you want to tackle, but you're not sure how to tackle it? Like, is there a show in particular that you're like itching, or at least like intrigued on how you're gonna go about covering it on Telehill?
1: Believe it or not, it is indeed uh, the show that we're going to be covering when we return six. And and I can I can say this because uh, I've actually put this to a vote on our uh, Twitter X page. I'm just gonna call it the Bluebird page. Um, earlier this summer, uh, someone on YouTube found a show that I actually had wanted to review since day one, okay. and I even have I even like when when Telehell was beginning, and I was like starting to come up with scripts for things like that. I, I actually started an opening paragraph on this show until I realized that the show was nowhere to be found, okay. and for and and for good reason because uh, this was a show that was meant to be like uh, the spiritual successor to uh, Rowan and Martin's Laughing. In fact, it it is meant to be the successor because it was done by the same people, mm-hmm. uh, George Slaughter and Ed Friendly and Digby Wolf and all those guys, and. Uh, only the thing was, this was supposed to be a lot faster. It, it was, it was a half-hour show, so naturally, uh, you know, it had to be faster. Mm-hmm. But fast in such a way that you needed to take quaaludes just to keep up with it. That's how fast this show is. And somebody found it during the summer, and it's called Turn On. And it is known, and it is notably known, for it being a TV show that got canceled within 15 minutes of its initial airing. So, so much canceled that some affiliates actually took it off halfway, like at that 15-minute point, while the rest of the country was still airing it. And word had gotten out that this show was so toxic to the ABC network which is airing it that the west coast didn't even get a chance to see it. Oh wow. And this is this was a show that had aired only once in 1969 had not been seen by anybody for 50 years. But somebody on YouTube in fact multiple people have since taken this one thing and put it up put it up on their own pages so now everybody's pretty much seen it. I have seen it. And you mentioned, you know, Things that are hard to do, and because of just how visual this show is, like, there's a lot of things that, you know, I I, I do an audio show on purpose because I don't have the wherewithal to do, like, video editing or throw in video effects without looking cheap or also showing my face. I kind of want to keep a low profile about myself and all that stuff. So just trying to do a review of that is probably going to be the biggest challenge that I've ever faced. But I love a challenge. I love trying to challenge myself to a point where if there's something that feels impossible, at least try it anyway, see how it turns out. And that's exactly what we're all going to find out on November 12th when we return with our season premiere, Turn On.
0: There we go. All right, I'm I'm definitely intrigued to say the least because I remember whenever you had first seen that it has actually been on the internet, like the the ins- I, I I don't know if I would consider it excitement, but the fact that you were so dedicated to having that talking about that, and the fact that I hear that you wanted to have it since the start of Telehell, I'm certainly intrigued to see how how this will play out. So you better believe well, that, that... Well,
1: well, well I I will say though this may be one of those times where you may actually have to watch the show first just okay so you can prepare yourself for it because I I've, I've actually now sat through this show and I'm 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 just kind of finishing the script for now but there's still like a bunch of other things that I've missed on multiple viewings you kind of really have to see this to believe it like okay I I mean, everybody says, oh, this is an acid trip. Oh, this is such a drug fuel thing. Trust me when I say that it goes beyond description. It may go even beyond my own descriptions, but just be prepared for it. I may wind up overselling it. I may wind up underselling it, but (laughs) damn it, you will be sold. That's for sure.
0: (laughs) That's all I need to hear. So especially for those out there listening, November 12th, definitely keep your ears, I guess, ears peeled or... Yeah. yeah, whatever the phrasing is. Wait, well,
1: oh, I mean, I've heard the expression "ow my earballs." So yeah, maybe
0: <laughs> that is true. That is valid. I mean, I just got to ask, like, especially with what you're planning in the future, and you know. Thinking about your journey as a whole, since you've really devoted yourself to television, whether it be, you know, or to this entertainment enterprise in one way or another. And especially since you've started, you know, Telehell and seeing how it's kind of developed and how it's been able to be shaped. Are you impressed more or less with the journey you've been able to come along as an artist?
1: To be completely honest, I'm... I'm amazed I even have the time to do it just because, again, because I'm doing this while I'm working and, you know, some some days it feels like I'm stretched a little too thin with a bunch of other things. So, so I have other, excuse me, three, two, one, because I have a, a lot of other things that I do aside from my work because, uh, you know, we mentioned at the beginning of each show uh, that we have sponsors. And they happen to be YouTube pages, uh, and they both deal in nostalgic video. And one of the things that I do during the summer is uh, just go searching through yard sales for uh, old videotapes of things recorded off of TV with commercials because I collect the commercials for them. They advertise me. I advertise them. It's a barter system kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, just sitting through the tapes and just going through all sorts of things and just realizing, my God, that's a lot of life I missed that's a lot of you know things that you know were huge back in the day and you know now they're just a passing thought just today alone i mean actually actually before we uh, signed on today i, I picked up something uh, from a yard sale 30 vhs tapes of shows from 1997 to 2005 oh, wow. and it's and it's largely uh, stuff from the wb and MTV and Total Request Live and like the final episode of Dawson's Creek is in there and it's just like I haven't seen this stuff in forever but we're now at a point where everything that I I mean it's true with any generation I mean you know people growing up in the 50s all of a sudden the 50s became nostalgic in the 70s thanks to Happy Days and American Graffiti then in the 80s the 60s started getting popular again because it was uh The anniversary of uh, Woodstock in 89. And then when the 90s came along, people were nostalgic for the 70s. And it's just like a never ending cycle of what was good 20 years ago. And I guess just because of the show, my hobby, my job, and everything else in between, in about a year and a half, I'm going to turn 40. And at that point, you kind of realize you ha- you have to like take a step back and see what life has been, right. or or what has led to this point. And you know, sometimes I I just I I would like to slow down at some point. I mean, I would like to keep going, obviously, because you know student loans don't pay themselves. But yep. you know, uh, just to just to keep. Just to keep this going and to keep just memories alive, I guess, is the overall crux of it all. Because even though these are not necessarily pleasant memories that I'm covering on the show here, it's still memories to someone. Just like, again, the show I review was bad, but it was at least good or fun to someone. A lot of these things, they meant something to someone. And I'd like to think that the work that I do whether it be the podcast or even a commercial that I make, I'd like to think that it means something to someone. I'd like to think that when, if and when the time comes, and hopefully not for a very long time, but when the time comes, all the stuff that I've ever done was worth it in the long run. And at the end of the day, it's just a matter of I did a damn good job at what I did, and I, I'm proud of it. I, I'm proud of everything that I do, and that would include the podcast. That would include the radio stuff, and that would not even include my uh, <laughs> weird, weird hobbies. I mean, I I tell people about this all the time, and they look at me like I have three heads. Well, <laughs> whatever, fuck that. But you know, I, I like it. I enjoy it. I also enjoy collecting receipts so I can cash them in on coupon apps. That way I can save money for Christmas. But that's for another place altogether. (laughs) It just goes to show you, enjoy what you do, damn it. You know, just don't let people get you down, because there will be people that get you down. And if they have something constructed to say, okay, you can listen to them for that. But if they're just going to say, no, that's never going to work... My own parents didn't want me to have a radio career until I started going on the air. And they said, okay, I I get it now. Just, you know, don't say anything dumb on the air. Boy, has that ship sailed many times. (laughs)
0: Little late for that advice. (laughs) I mean, like, the, the advice you're giving right there, that's the thing that I try to reiterate to my audience as well. Like, you know, obviously, you know and especially for what you do, like whether it be telehealth, whether it be your commercial work or whether it be your hobby, stuff like that, you put a lot of love and passion to it. It's something to where you truly feel like yourself as you're, as you're doing this stuff, you're truly enjoying yourself with this stuff. That's the same. I try to tell to all these different artists whenever I can, you know, Hey, you know, you're putting yourself out there. You're putting a lot of love and passion to this. Don't let anyone tell you, or don't let anyone get to you just because they're trying to get to you, just because they want to bring you down. Like let that love and passion show. And surely the people will follow. You're certainly an example for that because obviously I have you on this podcast because I listen to what the, what the love and passion you put out there. <laughs>
1: I I definitely appreciate that. I appreciate feedback from anybody. I I, I know that sounds like a little uh, needy and all that stuff, but my one of my current favorite comedians is John Mulaney, and he he did this piece on one of his Netflix specials about how I need attention all the time. <laughs> like I, I'm I empathize with him and sympathize because you're kind of you're I I shouldn't and people say ah oh, don't. Don't worry about what they say. And it's true. You shouldn't worry what they say. But at the same time, you got to know just a little, just a little bit if what you're doing is the right thing. And if it isn't the right thing, just go with your gut instinct on that. But other, other than that, you do need a little feedback every once in a while, which by no natural segue... You know, I I can say please like, comments, rate, subscribe to my podcast, and let me know how I'm doing
0: exactly. (laughs) And and same to this podcast as well if you haven't already. You know, I see those five stars reviews. You guys know I love them. Um, (laughs) but you know we've been talking five star
1: reviews. What's that?
0: (laughs) Oh, don't tease yourself. Uh, I'm sure. I'm pretty sure I left a five star review at least on Spotify. I better have. If not, I'm I'm gonna be kicking myself for that one. Um. But, you yeah, know, we've been talking a lot about, obviously, the, the the art that you are putting out there, the stuff you have handed. But for this next question, if I may, let's go a little above and beyond, if I may, and give you more or less the dream scenario, Justin. Let's say I am Big Shot Mr. Moneybags. I come to you like, look, Justin, we know you can do some incredible stuff. We've seen we we've heard what you've been able to do so far and you know it's music to our ears but we think you could do a little bit more you just need a little extra you know push a little extra platform to really get you there we have access to anyone and everyone in whatever industry possible and more money than there should be possible we really 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 should be paying those writers and actors at this point we'll get to them eventually right now we are focusing on you and you alone if given this opportunity what would be the dream justin Hart project
1: Oh, boy. Um, now, I, I, I kind of want to predicate this by saying that I've always been taught to just keep myself on the ground and not aim too far high. So the bar may be a little low when I, I say this, but you know, I do have my reasons. Okay. Truth be told... I want to keep working in just the sound industry altogether. Eventually, I'd like to not only sell podcasts to major distributors, I'd like to be like two of my biggest heroes in the entertainment business. Not not actors, not writers, but my two biggest heroes in the entertainment business, and I talk about them a great deal on my show. Mm-hmm. One of them is Fred Silverman, our patron saint, and the other is Brandon Tartikoff. Now, both of them ran NBC in their own ways. Silverman, he always used his gut instinct to figure out what was hip and popular at the other networks they worked at, CBS and ABC. It didn't quite work at NBC, but to be fair, he was in charge of everything at NBC, whereas CBS and ABC, he was just in charge of entertainment. Right. But it's, it's all about gut instincts with him. Now, with Brandon Tartikoff... He always had this philosophy of first be best, then be first. Nurture things, you know. Give things a chance to grow. Give things a chance to, you know, find their audience before you make any rash decisions. Something I wish TV networks could do in this day and age. Mm-hmm. But my dream is pretty much an amalgamation of the two. Use gut instincts to find the shows that you want to nurture and. Not just, you know, other ideas that I would like to be able to do for future podcasts, but you know, I've always wanted to know what goes into like the whole programming process and you know, just okay. what what makes something fit into something? What you know, how do you get the square peg into the round hole? How do you you know how do you know for certain that the thing that you put together is gonna fit the right audience? What is that audience? And you know, just stuff like that has always kind of fascinated me. In a dream world, I wouldn't even be working in podcasting. I would be in charge of NBC. I'd love to, you know, not have them be too dependent on sports all the time and actually have them put on good shows again. Right. But, again, pay the writers, pay the actors. Hashtag WGA strong, hashtag SAG-AFTRA strong. But, again, you know, just... Maybe because I've watched too much TV, maybe because sometimes I think I'm uh, Martin Tapper from uh, Dream On, that's an HBO sitcom from back in the day. Tupper, not Tapper, Tapper's the CNN guy. Um, I don't know, just maybe because I've glued myself to a screen for so long that it's sometimes it's better to think you know than actually know, but at the same time, who the hell else is going to know tv other than a guy that likes watching it so much yeah so th- th- that's the, that's the dream scenario is to just be in charge if not nbc i think the cw is on sale for like a dollar 76 right now
0: oh, um so dollars. maybe <laughs> yeah
1: yeah anyway but yeah i mean i would love to just be in charge of a tv network or be the head honcho of a major podcast distributor because i've heard a lot of them over the years and I've, I've lately on my Twitter taken to uh, recommending shows cause I used to every day, uh, just go through the TV schedule and just pick TV shows. But ever since the strikes happen, that's a whole solidarity thing. I don't want to talk about anything that's actively on the air. So I've turned TV picks into podcast picks and I pick three shows a day, five on Saturdays. And if anything sounds interesting to me, I just say, listen to this. And you know, I, I, I don't want to say I want to be an influencer because that's a whole nother can of worms for another day, but I would like to be able to sway an audience into thinking that what they're listening to is good because the show is good. Not because I say so, but because it's got what it takes. It's got oomph. It's got talent. It's got guts. It's got tenacity. It's got all sorts of buzzwords that I'm probably just pulling out of my ass right now because guess what that's what i do and i have a good time doing it sometimes
0: i mean i i i can tell you're having a good time with it i can only imagine if you had the opportunity the good times you could provide not just for yourself but for everyone else with some of the picks you've been able to to provide and stuff like that especially if you were in charge and kind of giving the people both the creators and the audience like what they would enjoy um but sadly we gotta get down from the dream scenario we gotta get back to reality and i'll ask the ever so not detroit anything but that (laughs) no not detroit not detroit not detroit (laughs) i'll ask the ever so generic question where do you hope to see yourself say, five to ten years from now
1: new orleans okay I, it's it's a place I've always wanted to to visit. It's a place I've always wanted to see. In fact, I'm kind of working on a plan right now to make it my uh, 40th birthday present. is just to spend a week down there. But also, if it's as good as they say it is, I wouldn't mind living there. But, you know, you got to test the waters a little bit. But mm-hmm. basically just do all the same stuff that I've been doing right now, but in New Orleans. I've got a MacBook on hand. I've got all the editing equipment that I need. All I just need is uh, my ideas and one of those uh, hobo bindles with the stick and a bundle and all that stuff. And <laughs> here I come, Nola.
0: That, I mean, my, my mom and her roommate have been out there, and I need to, like, piggyback off of one of them at some point to, to go over there and visit because i've also heard wonderful things about new orleans i definitely want to visit at some point so but yeah especially with how much of a creative hub i heard it could be sometimes because i know they film a good bit of like tv shows and stuff down there when they're not striking yes. uh in that area so i mean yeah it makes sense <laughs> oh yeah
1: absolutely and not just that but i'm also really big into like classic jazz like i love Brubeck I love Dave Brubeck. I love uh, Duke Ellington, Charlie Parker, the Birdman, mm-hmm. uh, Lionel Hampton, and just all those guys. I do kind of have a limit, though. Like, if the trumpet gets like way too abrasive, then I'll switch the channel to the <laughs> classic alternative rock channel. But other, other than that, I mean, jazz has uh, kind of really shaped me around for the past few years. We used to have a local. Uh, uh, what do you call it? Uh, one of those uh, NPR type channels that was just jazz. But they took that off the air. And then, uh, you know, all of a sudden I remembered oh, wait a minute. The place that I work for has a jazz channel. Mm-hmm. Hint, hint. Um, so I just started listening to that and never really looked back. But I mean, New Orleans is kind of like the root of it all there. So I, I, one of the people, or one of the groups I would really love to see in person, Preservation Hall jazz band. but it's like a very intimate room from what I hear. Like I think only a hundred people can show up one week at a time, and like tickets are sold out for ever and ever and ever. But like it's like one of those experiences you got to see in person for yourself. And I really hope I get the chance someday.
0: Well, I'm pretty sure if that's the case, you need to probably buy your tickets uh, yesterday.
1: Um, (laughs) I got to book the flight in the airfare for uh, the flight in the hotel first.
0: (laughs) I mean, I mean, you could plan ahead for that whenever it becomes more readily available. You know, I mean, this is (laughs) as we start to wind down the interview. I just have one last question I want to ask you, Justin. Obviously, you've been entrenched in art and entertainment for, for years, for ages at this point. How yeah. important is art, not just for you, but for the world as a whole?
1: The most basic answer I can think of is that without art of any kind, whether it be, you know, photographic art or music or even podcasts, you know, podcasts are considered art. The thing that connects uh, all forms of artwork in general is the fact that you're expressing yourself. Mm-hmm. You need to be able to express yourself because if you keep things bottled up on the inside, you know what's the point? Yeah, you might you might as well turn that into a tumor someplace. But you know, you need to express yourself. You need to let people know what it is that you're trying to say, even if it's not. 100 percent understood by everybody and that is the case with a lot of things and again from from the beginning i said my show is a subjective thing of what i think about these shows but a lot of art is subjective you know not everything's gonna have the same interpretation not everybody's going to think the same thing about a a given painting and you know this is going to sound like a very strange segue but uh I used to watch a show called Boy Meets World, and there was this episode where uh, Corey and Topanga were temporarily broken up, but they go see the Van Gogh exhibit of Starry Night, and both of their takes on the Starry Night picture could not be any more opposite from each other. Topanga mm-hmm. thinks it's, you know, just this calming everything's going to be okay kind of thing. And Corey says it looks like an attack from Mars. And, you know, it's the opinions like that, like the fact that you can interpret anything into whatever you want to think of it as that's what art is all about. That is what makes it art, you know, because, you know, <laughs> not everything is going to have a set answer. I mean, Art is a kind of science, and science does have definitive answers. But art itself does not have to be definitive. The work may, the initial work in itself, you know, the effort it takes to make something, you know, that's that's effort. That's all fine and good. But once you release it to the public, it belongs to the public, and whatever the public thinks, it's not going to be the same thing each time. So. You know, I, I, I often think of uh, Patton Oswalt's uh, stand-up special after his uh, first wife passed away, and he always uh, lived life from that point onward with the words, it's chaos, be kind. That's how I like to live my life, because I know it could come to an end at any time. Oh, yeah. But still, that doesn't mean you can't enjoy it, so enjoy it. Please.
0: Amen to that. That is wonderfully worded, if I do say so myself. Uh, Justin, that is all the questions I have for you. I've already showered you with a whole bunch of praise, but I want to show you a little bit more because it's my podcast. I do what the fuck I want here. Um... (laughs) Look, like I said, Justin, ever since I first got invested in Telehell, which ironically enough, you were talking about podcast picks earlier. I, I found your podcast when just random spur of the moment, I decided, you know what? For a 100 days, I'm going to promote a 100 different podcasts. I
1: remember that? Yes. Yep.
0: And that was a lot more difficult than I anticipated it to be. <laughs> but – Thankfully, I was able to find your podcast uh, through like just vetting and stuff like that. And whenever I found your podcast, I was instantly hooked. the 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 subject matter alone is already interesting because I love kind of hearing about this obscure stuff that you don't really hear about. Um, You certainly provided a great presence when it came to the, the Hell format. I mean, just your editing and the presentation of the podcast. I envy it sometimes because it is some of the like finest quality, like audio out there. Like just out of any podcast I've ever heard. I, I genuinely mean it when I say like, you have probably the best presentation out of a podcast. And that's why I will always love that podcast. Love your podcast with, Whatever you present, um, no matter how chaotic it could be, whether it be the subject matter or the circumstances or whatnot, like, especially getting the chance to talk to you, like, more than anything else, I was just glad to finally have an opportunity to tell you somewhat face to face that, you know, I, I truly love and appreciate what you do. And I, I sincerely cannot wait for what is next, no matter, you know, short term or long term. Uh, you, you're doing a wonderful job, sincerely. And please, please, please keep up the incredible work because if this is just me, I can only imagine how many other people out there feel the same, if not higher of what you're doing. So long and short of it. Thank you for what you do, Justin, please keep up the hard work.
1: Hey, listen, just the, the fact that there's even people listening at all, that in itself is the biggest achievement. I, I could probably, to be honest, I really did not think the show would last after the first six episodes. Cause you know, initially, you know, Advertising's a, a pain in the ass just to get a show out there. Yeah. But, you know, after I realized that social media was the key and a bunch of other things uh, contributed to it, uh, just, you know, just, I, I guess, uh, short of wearing a sandwich board that says, listen to tell the hell listen to Telehell," hell I, I mean, eventually you realize sometimes the best audience is a loyal audience i happen to have a very small but very loyal audience and i'm glad you're part of that audience and all i can really hope for is uh uh somebody over at uh, pandora or wondry or earwolf listens to this and realizes the same thing
0: i hopefully it's just a matter of time especially with again the quality you put in your podcast um, which, so. <laughs> which does bring me to one last question. I forgot to ask a little sooner. I mean, obviously you know, I'm a, I'm a huge fan when it comes to the podcast. So I'm kind of curious, how would a small independent podcast host, how could he potentially get to Telehel to help present a topic at some point in the future?
1: Well, uh, if, uh, if that sounds like an invitation, um, hey, listen, if uh, if you want to come on, I all, all you need is as much passion for a show that you hate as I have for a show that I dislike. And I got the uh schedule for season six all lined up, so I can just send you the list. And if there's anything you agree with, uh, let me know and we'll uh, work something out.
0: I would greatly appreciate being dragged to hell for once in my life if that is okay with you.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well. We we try to come up with different ways to drag each time. If we use the same bit every time, well, then yeah, yeah, no.
0: Yeah. Not, I mean, I understand budget is a thing, so I'm not expecting like to be you know you know anything.
1: Well, that and theater of the mind. mind. I mean, there's only so many times we can use telemetry and earthquakes and all that stuff. Sometimes, like last year with uh with one of our patrons, uh, we just said eh, walk down the hall and find it. You'll find us and just that was- <laughs> it was it was it was. It was a question of uh, budget, but also just trying to speed up and reaching the deadline. <laughs>
0: I'll like, say that was a quick before that was Josh Weinstein for the episode, if I remember correctly. Uh, right? No, that
1: was uh, Neil, Neil Weinstein. Neil, Neil, uh, sorry.
0: Neil yeah. Weinstein. My bad, I messed up the first name. I remember it was a Weinstein. I just could not remember the first name.
1: <laughs> That's, okay. That's okay. I've been calling him Weinstein forever, but <laughs> yeah. <you> know. <laughs> and and by the by, uh, we do have a Patreon, and uh, we do have it available, so that if you ever want to uh, be a priority co and also make a request uh, feel free to do that patreon.com slash telehell podcast
0: and since you already started with the links if people want to hear just exactly why i'm exactly gushing about this stuff and learn more about the incredible stuff you're presenting go ahead and plug your stuff for the people at home
1: okay the uh, main page is telehell.libsyn.com we can be heard everywhere you can stream that would be your apple your pandora your spotify your iheart your Deezer, your uh, Google Podcasts, your smokescreen, your Telegraph, your yep. phonograph,
0: your, your semaphore,
1: <laughs> your, your your two Dixie cups on a string, your uh, sign language. <laughs> Have I missed any forms of communication? If if it's a podcast, you'll find us there. But telehell.libsyn.com is the main page. Patreon.com slash podcast is if you want to uh, throw a couple coins our way. And we will send you swag if you do stick around, by the way. So plenty of stuff to, you know, as long as there's a thrift store and as long as there are yard sales, I will send stuff to you. Other than that, we will return with season six on November 12th. And uh, as far as uh, how long the season's going to be this year, well, I do have my soul down here for all of eternity.
0: Yeah, so you got time. You got time. I got time. <laughs> do you have any final words before we sign off?
1: Um, Aside from uh, do you have any more water and or throat lozenge for the record amount of talking that I just did, Uh, no, I think we're good. I think your show is good. I really enjoy uh, all the stuff that I've been catching up with, and uh, you keep up the good work, too. And I'll try to come up with something a little eloquent to say for you when you come down here.
0: Uh, I'll be sure to to keep that in mind, but honestly, just having the opportunity to appear on the podcast is more enough for me. So uh, definitely send me that list and I'll see what we can uh, rag on together. Um, awesome. So, <laughs> then with that, all I'd love to say is for the people at home, pay your artists
1: and pay the writers and actors too.
0: Thank you so much for sticking around to the end. If this is your first time listening, I greatly do appreciate it. Uh, like I said, from the very start, tell is a podcast that I have been like hooked on instantly. Um, especially from like the production value of it that Justin brings to it. And just how much fun it is that I knew I had to have Justin for a conversation at some point. Um, Justin, if you've gotten up to this point, um, thank you so much for your time and for providing a fun show. Um, Like, seriously, (laughs) I am always amazed with the world of podcasts. And I think that's why I'm glad that I immersed myself in the world of podcasts. You know, I kind of mentioned it briefly in the podcast itself, but it was last year when I found Telehell because I decided to do just 100 days, randomly out of the blue, for 100 days, I'm going to promote a podcast a day. Um... And it really opened my eyes to the wide range of podcasts that are out there, the types of podcasts, the production that some of these podcasts have. Uh, it, it amazes me more than anything else how diverse the world of podcasts are. But I also feel like it's still like one of the most underrated forms of content out there. Like let's let's be honest with ourselves, people. The main reason you'll hear about a new podcast is because some celebrity that you guys follow is the one in charge of it. And there's nothing wrong with that. Obviously, like that's a way to get ears and eyes onto the product in the first place. But if you only have like a handful of podcasts, take the opportunity to challenge yourself to search out for a new podcast. I know that there are still times where I am surprised with the podcast that I do get to stumble upon. I mean, I have my core group of podcasts. There's, you know, Tell a Hell, uh, Tell Us About Yourself with Christian Carrion, shout out to him again, uh, Ridiculous Crime, that's a fantastic one that I constantly go back to. I mean, the, uh, oh, uh, The Lions Led by Donkeys podcast, fantastic little war history podcast if you're curious, like there are so many incredible podcasts out there. Some of which never get the opportunity or the light of day to really get that, you know, shine. You know, I, I I do what I can on this podcast to highlight artists. And I hope you guys can take the opportunity to do that. Not just with artists, but other podcasts. Like I want to challenge you guys within the, if you've listened to this episode within the next week, I want you to listen to at least one new podcast. Just find a brand new one, and then if you if it's one you thoroughly enjoyed, come back to the YouTube video of this episode and just leave a comment of the newest podcast that you found. If nothing else, maybe it's a podcast I'd like to listen to. I cannot tell you how much I enjoy podcasts. I mean, it's kinda obvious, considering fact that, you know you're listening to a podcast, and I want to talk about other podcasts. But like in all seriousness, you know, just like the art world as a whole has so many different artists that deserve the opportunity to time of day. Give other podcasts a chance, take an opportunity to just go out there and explore and see some of the incredible people that are doing incredible podcasts. Like Justin with Telehelp, I'm dead serious, it is one of the best podcasts that I have ever listened to and I will continue to listen to. Um, if nothing else. Like I kind of teased that with the podcast, I'll see if I can find a way to sneak myself into Telehell, uh, and if the opportunity arises, I'll be sure to let you guys know because <laughs> it'll be a fun episode. It, it's always it will always be fun to talk to Justin, and just like it's always fun to keep going and showing that love and support for other artists and other podcasters, and that's why I will continue to do for as long as this podcast is running. And I sincerely hope you guys are willing to do the same thing for this community as a whole.